Hey podcast listeners, Mike Rappin, host of the I Read Comic Books podcast here. If you haven't already taken it, the IRCB listener survey is still live for you to take to give us feedback about the show. You can find the survey at ircb.us survey. We want to know your thoughts about our show and what kind of comics you read, so let us know. That's ircb.us survey. Now, onto the show. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two amazing human beings, Brian Murray. Hello. And Tia Vasiliu. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. It's been a great week. I mean, I took a week off last week because of New York City Comic Con, and Tia, you were there too. We hung out for a little bit. Yes, and we, we talked did. to Marco Rudy, and he was the nicest, most humble person I've ever met, and I can't even believe that happened to me. So thank you for <laughs> introducing me, because you guys were like best buds. Um, well, I was introduced to him from another friend of mine who is friends with him, um, Hope Nicholson. And yeah, we had a very uh, nice chat about art and I got a commission from him that is beautiful. Yes. It was a great, it was a great show. You posted that on your Tumblr, didn't you? I posted that everywhere. Okay. Yes. So stalk <laughs> to you on the internet and you'll find this gorgeous commission that she got. It's fantastic. Uh, Brian, how have you been? Thanks for like taking the reins last week and like helping run the show, even though Nick was there to like, you know, run things, I guess. But thanks for being on the show last week. Thanks for being <laughs> on the show this week. I'm so excited yeah. that you're here. <laughs> no, it's good to be here. It was uh, it was nice to let the inmates run the asylum for an episode. <laughs> yeah. I think we all appreciate the order and structure that you somehow managed to bring. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it, it it feels good to be back, and it's it's. I'm glad that I can put the hammer down, so that when we go to break, I can just say, "You guys, stop doing that thing." I um, never I never thought we'd be in a world where we relied on Mike Rappin to like keep law and order in place. <laughs> you guys don't even know when we're not recording. He's really mean. He's very strict. There's hey, all kinds hey, of Tia, yeah. Stop. No, yep. Enough of that. Enough of this. <laughs> he's been cyberbullying us all day. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's move on from that. Let's actually talk about comic books for a second. And in fact. I want to know how you guys have been and what you've been reading. And I'm going to just throw this to you, Brian. Sure. Uh, I've been catching up on a ton of backlog lately. Uh, I've, I'm in one of those stages where I get my comics for like two or three weeks at a time. And then I try to read them all and I'm not done with them. And the next time I get comics, so now I've got three shopping trips worth of comic books stored up. Oh, boy. But I did oh, find man. time to read a few a few of the big ones, a few of the number ones that uh, came out. I read Champions number one, which is the new Marvel. Uh, I don't know if it's a miniseries or if it's, on, if it's an ongoing or what. You can never know with them. I think they purposefully make it seem like they could be a miniseries. If only to say, if this does bad, we'll just say it's a six-issue mini. But if it does well, we'll kick it into an ongoing. At least that's what I thought with like Mockingbird, but that yeah. was just me. Which is Either ending, way. I think... Oh no! <laughs> Sadness. Champions is real good though. Yeah, what's what's that book all about? The way I kind of think of it is the Marvel Teen Titans. So it's uh, Miss Marvel, it's Nova, it's Miles Morales, it's uh, Viv Vision, totally awesome Hulk, and I think Cyclops is supposed to be joining the team. Oh yeah, I saw him on the cover. There, I think it's there could be Cyclops. one or two that I'm leaving out, but yeah, it's basically going to be like a these teens who are sick and tired of the way the adults are doing things because of Civil War II. Uh-huh. Um, the, big, uh, the big draw for me is Miss Marvel and her involvement because she's kind of seeing Captain Marvel in a new light. Like, she's disapproving of Carol, Carol Danvers for the very first time. Oh. Um, that's interesting character development for her. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like this sounds exactly like the Young Avengers series that was, you know, came out a long time ago, where, you know, it was a bunch of kids who had powers and they thought, we're going to do things better. We don't like the way the adults are doing it. And I think that was like a fallout of Civil War, maybe? I, I don't recall. But that's, that sounds good. The only thing about this that really upsets me is Civil War Two has been such a, a character assassination of Carol Danvers, and I find it a little upsetting. I haven't read enough of it. I've I've snuck a couple of issues here and there, borrowed from friends, but I haven't read all of it yet. So I don't know too much. 
I think there was a really good one in uh, Invincible Iron Man, which I also just read this past week. That was uh, all about Iron Man trying to find Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And oh, yeah, I read that Trying too. to avoid his usual hangouts because he knew Carol Danvers might be there. Oh, because, no. Because he thought that she was also looking for an AA meeting because she's an alcoholic, as I found out reading that issue. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a really beautiful moment of, like, both of these people were just, like, they were both feeling weak and both needed just to find an AA meeting to keep them on track. And they wound up having, like, a really good conversation out in the parking lot. And that issue ends on kind of a big note for Iron Man, so I won't go into it too much. But that was a really cool moment, I think. I... I empathize a lot more with Cap- Captain Marvel after that than I did before. Interesting. Uh, I also read uh, Death of X number one this past week, which I know I'm a, about a week behind on that one. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I have, uh, I have uh, so many feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sigh harder. Aww. I know, Mike and I had like... I read it and then immediately started IMing Mike, having like a big long conversation about our you know, conspiracy board that we're going to start setting up about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's all like real spoilery, so I don't want to get into it too much, but it's, it's seriously like a beautiful mind or kind of thing that. Yeah. Yeah. Big poster board and red string. (laughs) At Comic-Con, Charles Soule was saying that he and Jeff Lemire have been seeding the ideas that are going to come out in Death of X um, in their work. So, I don't know. There's plenty there if, for your conspiracy theories to build on if you want to go digging, apparently. Oh, good. So now I have to go back and reread all my X-Men books. Oh, yeah, Mike. That's going <sighs> to suck for you. Yeah. The big thing for me is there's just a, a character who is killed off in that book who I do not want to see killed off. So I'm oh, my. <sighs> coming yes. up with theories as to why that <laughs> character is actually still alive. Oh, yeah. That was that was the the majority of the conversation between me and brian just well, what if it was this what if he did that or what if she did that and it, it, ugh. yeah man raven number one was supposed to be my main discussion point coming into this but no that's fine go go with it go with it from what i understand and i haven't read any of the other books around this so i'm missing out on some pretty important context i think but it seems like raven has left the teen titans or the teen titans have been disbanded or something to that effect because she is now living with her mom's sister and her family in suburbia. Interesting. And it's all about Raven going to high school. And things, you know, swiftly go demony as they tend to do when Raven is involved. Mm-hmm. But she and I have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of fun to see that particular character dealing with normal social interactions instead of world-ending catastrophes. And uh, the art by uh, Alison Borges, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Borges, perhaps, um, very, very good at capturing faces and showing expression through those faces. Oh, that's great. Uh, there's, a, there's a moment where it's just a reaction shot of Raven listening to someone talk and wondering if she's made a huge mistake by coming here. Uh, I just, I laughed out loud when I saw that face. Is that the one where she's like literally staring at, like off the panel into the viewer, like she's in the office? Yeah, exactly. Like, at the it's de- like I, completely I, deadpan, yeah, just I nerd. loved that panel. Oh man, I know nothing about Raven as a character. Like I know that she is on the Teen Titans, but other than that, I don't know anything about her do you could you guys give me like a brief history into this character so basically her mom was part of a cult and was impregnated by a demon lord okay and raven is said baby so she has like demon powers or something you said yeah she's got like demon magic i honestly don't know a whole lot i i couldn't teach a class on it but (laughs) right (laughs) i watched you know enough to read the book yeah, yeah. The book does gives you like a little bit of quick and dirty backstory mm-hmm. without piling on exposition in the first issue. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, and it seems like they're going to do a good job of telling you what you need to know as you need to know it. Yeah, as you guys know, I'm not a big DC reader, but I felt totally um, able to just jump in and read 
Raven number one, and it was really good. Which is a very weird feeling for a DC book. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried to get into DC a few times, and every time I've tried, it's been like, all right, but who's this Flash, and which Flash am I talking about? (laughs) Is it Superman with red underwear or without red underwear? Who's Batman these days? Yeah. (laughs) Well, together, we'll we'll get through it, Brian. We'll have like a support group. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> well, Tia, what did you read this week? What were what was your? your I, I, it looks like I think we all got a pretty big list. But what did you read this week, Tia? I'll I'll get through it pretty quickly. Uh, I was really excited that Monstrous Number Seven came out. Um, I really love this series, and it continues to be wonderful. This is the Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda book about the girl who has this sort of. Uh, relationship or um power connecting her to this monster in this magical world it's really good has a lot of really important feminist messages that are not really like hitting you over the head they're just woven into the story so well and it's so beautiful and you could just read it as a straight fantasy if you were not inclined to look for those themes but they're there for you if you want them it's really good um Southern Cross number eight, another book that I feel like is such a nice change of pace in terms of it being really like um, focused on a relationship that is between uh, this woman and her sister. Yeah, she's looking for her sister, but um, it isn't like hitting you over the head with these, you know, themes but they're sort of woven into the story. Um, you could also just read it as a straight sci-fi story. That one is Becky Cloonan um, with art by Andy Bellinger, I think. See, Southern Cross kind of let me down. Really? I think it's because I went into it expecting it to be something that it wasn't. But after reading the first couple of issues, I was like, oh, cool. This is like a murder mystery, like murder on the Orient Express, but set on this spaceship. And instead what we got is like, a weird sci-fi multi-dimensional like monster paranoia kind of story yeah which i am always down for so so yeah i think it's less that it's bad i think it's a quality story it's just it wasn't what it set itself up to be in the first couple of issues gotcha which i guess is understandable but it kind of threw me off a little i feel like it's really strong visually too because it you feel the uh, the sort of claustrophobia of the ship and yeah, uh, that it's really atmospheric in a sort of like sci-fi spaceship kind of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also Darth Vader ended number 25 came out and the things that I pretty much expected to happen, even though I didn't want them to happened. And then, like six hours later, uh, Marvel decided to spoil the ending, so just in case you hadn't read it yet, um, and announced a new series um, that's focusing on a character that ostensibly died at the end of Darth Vader, which, yay, I'm really happy about that, because I like that character, but also, like, really, Marvel, you couldn't have, like, given people a chance to read that one first? Right, right. I'm still like seven issues behind on Darth Vader, so I just saw the announcement of the new book. I was like, oh, sweet. I'm definitely going to pick that up. Definitely, I didn't know that there was anything at the ending of Darth Vader that might make that inconvenient. Yeah, I was... Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I almost wanted to post it on Tumblr with that surprise bitch gif because it's just, like, so ridiculous. Um, yeah. That's a remarkable turnaround, even for Marvel, though. On like a character's death, <laughs> <Right>. like... <laughs> six hours. I mean, Karen Gillan was writing it, so you knew that that she was going to die. Like you knew that all your favorites were going to die. So I was oh, like, no. oh, well, See, I guess this I is happening. Like, now that I know that the series is done, I feel like now I can read it. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that series. Uh, I like the arts, uh, Salvador LaRocca. It's really cinematic, and um, Darth Vader is like a—he's a scary bad guy, but you—you get—you like get him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you should catch up, Mike. Yeah, he's less—he's not like the grim, dark murder robot that he was kind of portrayed to be in the original Star Wars. He's got feelings. I know. I saw Star so Wars many one feelings. through three. <laughs> 
<laughs> so many Jake Lloyd feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the main one that I wanted to talk about is uh, something I picked up at New York Comic Con. It's a one shot called The Belfry, and it's written and drawn by Gabriel Hardman. And I actually think he self-published it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he did. So I don't know where you can get it other than yeah, I was, from Gabriel Hardman. I was going to say, I was looking for that online because I, I saw you picked it up and I forgot to go back and get it on Sunday. And I was looking for it on Comixology thinking, oh, I'll just grab it here. But I could not find it. So I don't know if it's on there or maybe I misspelled it because this is not the word that I looked for. So uh, <laughs> I will try to find it. I, I, I actually don't think that it's on Comixology, but okay. yeah, we should try and fix that because it's such it's a really good book. It's for it's about this um, plane that crashes on this island and it turns out that there's these like really gro- grotesque, scary vampire creatures on the island and they bite you and if you don't turn then this weird guy like who has his eyeballs gouged out will gouge your eyeballs out um so that's fun and (laughs) yeah that sucks (laughs) yeah it's really and and like you know gabriel hardman's art is very dramatic it's very um tenebristic is that a word he uses a lot of light and dark uh and he does storyboards for major motion pictures and he he does a lot of of art in comics like sequential art and the this book is really driven by the art the story's t- really told through the art there's very little dialogue and I really liked that and you know it's a really nice kind of reminder that when you're reading comics the artwork is really uh so crucial to the storytelling and and it was it's just kind of a nice reminder when you read a book that is so driven by the artwork to kind of read your other comics with an eye toward looking for those storytelling details in the art absolutely well for me this week what i read was i read a handful of books I've continued down my dark, deep hole of manga, but I won't mention what I've been reading. It's Bleach. Um, <laughs> I uh, I read Green Valley number one, which I believe Kate talked about last week. The one thing I will say about this book is that Max Landis's commentary at the end about you have no idea what's happening or what's going to come next uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I think Max Landis just always rubs me the wrong way. Hashtag edgy. Well, he always just... I don't know. That's just his his like persona. So I, I kind of just need to push that away and read the book because otherwise the book was fantastic outside of the unfortunate beginning where a character dies to drive another character. But, uh, you know, these things happen. Uh, it's comic I read, books. That's yeah, how you comic I, book. Kind of. Uh, I read Reborn number one, even though I told myself I wouldn't. Uh, the It's the Mark Miller, Greg Capullo book. And I love it. It's so cool. It is. It's the. It's got a really, really heartfelt. Like it broke my heart reading the first half of the book, and then I became suddenly dramatically uplifted by the end. Which I have. I wish that I could. I want to just like punch Mark Miller in the shoulder to being like, "You son of a bitch, you got me." And that was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I will definitely continue reading that book. I read Shipwreck Number One, which is I think that's that came out a couple weeks ago. Warren Ellis and Philip Phil Hester. I don't know what the fuck is happening in that book, and I don't know I don't know if I want to wait or if I want to keep reading it month to month. But it, I nothing made sense. Like I had to stop reading comic books for the rest of that day after I finished <laughs> Shipwreck Number One. It it seriously just broke my brain, and I'm definitely going to have to reread all of the subsequent issues when a new issue comes out. It's that kind of book, so see, I oh. don't mind when that happens. And I don't. I don't think that that's bad. I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing, but it is. It was way further out there than I thought it was going to be, and it's like jumping into a pool, thinking you're in the shallow end, and realizing that it's five thousand feet deep. And when you jumped in, you had cement tied to your legs. Oh, jeez. Like, that's what it <laughs> felt like, and I managed to make it back to the surface by the end. But it's every month I think is going to be that kind of jump. So it's like a you're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to mentally prepare myself for that book every month. I just know it's gonna happen, and I, and I'm gonna read it because I'm a Warren Ellis fanboy, and that's just what I do. But whew, that took me took me by major surprise. Uh, I also read Doctors by Dash Shaw. This is like a graphic novel about character or about people when they die. 
if they have enough money, they can be resurrected, like, by someone going into their dead body and, like, bringing them out of the afterlife back to real life. But the problem is that when that happens, they start to go insane. So there's a whole weird story around that. Uh, and the story and art are all by Dash Shaw. And I don't know if I liked it or hated it, but the ending was really good. Like throughout the whole book, I was kind of just feeling weird about it. But then it rounded itself off really well. So I, I have to credit that. It's, it's a weird book that was in, it's in Comixology Unlimited that I just happened to see and thought it looked pretty. And uh, it's very simple, black and white, or it's not black and white in so much as the paper color changes almost every other page. So that was like another cool aspect of like when they were trying to give you different moods in the book, they would change the color of the paper. And so I, I like that a lot. And I, I would suggest it. If you have a Comixology Unlimited subscription, it's a it's a 120 pages, very well put together. Otherwise, I think it's pretty cheap. Uh, it's written by written and drawn by Dash Shaw. I recommend it. Uh, but the big book that I really enjoyed this week was The Black Monday Murders. I read issues number two and three in a row. And oh my goodness, John Hickman knows how to put together a story. I am loving this book too. Just, just three issues in. Like the third issue had a scene where I was just, the tension was so high. I was like literally on the edge of my seat reading it because it was, oh, so good. So just beautiful. I wish this book came out as a graphic novel. I will say this over and over again. This book should have just come out as one big 200-page epic story rather than serialized, but oh, it's so far I'm loving it. Absolutely loving this book. The art is perfect. The story is a little bit too complex, but manageable. And ultimately it's it's going to result in I think a really cool bloody story about money. How are you liking the little like um interludes of kind of um notes or explanations of things and diagrams and stuff like that yeah in the first issue i thought it was really overwhelming but as i read two and three i actually thought that they added a lot to the story and it's a lot to keep track of in your head like if you were only reading 10 books a month or even like five books a month or something this would probably be pretty manageable it would be your big chunk of mental capacity i think so reading like a lot of books, I won't say a number, how many books I'm reading every month. This is kind of rough because there's a lot of characters and a lot of complicated just things happening in this book. And I don't know how much they factor into the main story, but he it seems that when Hickman wants to focus on a piece of that com- complexity, he usually like zooms in on the map for you. Like he zooms in to give you all the detail and he leaves it in that one issue so you're not lost rather than saying, okay, remember when I told you all this stuff in issue one? I hope you remember. <laughs> so I thought that was actually really nice. So like in issue two or issue, I think it's issue three where the I think the big cool scene in the police department happens. Uh, he walks you through what's happening in those interludes and I thought it worked out really, really well. But ultimately it was uh, it was really confusing in issue one but as you start to see the gears actually turn rather than just being laid out uh it it makes a lot more sense so i'm digging it so far you just have to be like in a very awake state when you're reading this book yes no i've been reading it before bed and having really weird dreams (laughs) yeah because it's the book isn't even scary so much as it's just unsettling it is it's you know yeah so if you're not reading this and you want a little bit of fright this is a good book But let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out this week. Comic books come out on October 19th, 2016. So I'm going to throw back to you, Tia. What are you excited for this week? I'm really excited for Black Widow number seven, which is the Mark Wade, Chris Samney, Matt Wilson Black Widow. That is beautiful and wonderful. Yes. And I'm not caught up on it. I think that I am probably three issues behind. So I'm using this as an excuse to sort of binge read and catch back up. And uh, yeah, I was so excited too, because um, one of my little dance students who I coach told me that she has been reading this book and I'm just so excited. And No way. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Yes. Like bring on the new generation of little girl comic readers like and that's what this is all about right like if you make these books and you feature women characters like that is going to bring uh, a new audience into comics and i yeah it just that's what it's all about man 
an audience that we desperately need in comics. Yeah, books little to, girls. Yeah, yeah come yeah. on. And this book is so fantastic. It's so good. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this book as well. I will. I will be honest. Uh, Brian, what are you reading this week? What are you excited for? So this week I'm excited for Raven number two. Hey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're they're really piling on with this uh, this Raven series, but I think that I'm in a position where they've got my interest, and issue number two is their chance to get my attention. Gotcha. To, okay. To use the old chestnut. I like. No, I really like that. That's great. Um. But yeah, like Raven number one was good. It was fun. I enjoyed reading it. Raven number two is when I'm going to start like really making a decision of if I'm going to keep sticking with this or not. And I really hope that I do. Like I hope that it's good because I want a comic like this to exist. Gotcha. See, now you're, you're like convincing me to go read this book. This is a problem. This is a problem with this podcast right here. I just want to say this to you all. Uh, when you guys talk about these books that I have no interest in, you make them sound so great, and then I want to go read them. And this is why I'm reading too many books every month. So, thanks, Brian. But just, for real, just... <laughs> for real, Mike, you really, you really would like Raven. Okay, yeah. I, I will try the first, I will f- try these two issues on Wednesday and see what I think. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll report back. What are you excited for? Oh yeah, well I am excited for Death of X number two. Because Charles Soule loves to kill X-Men characters, so I'm really excited to see who he's going to kill next. Look, Mike, and there's like a million X-Men, so there's going to be know, plenty left no. over. The thing is, like, here, here is the problem. <laughs> you, you should, that is the worst thing you, you could have ever said to you. <laughs> Here's Oof. the problem. House of M happened, and it's all Brian Michael Bendis' fault. And he got rid of all the mutants except for about 200-ish of them. And then... There was only 200 for a long time, and then all of a sudden Hope showed up. She was the first mutant, and then a bunch of, like, what is it? I don't remember what they called them, fireflies or something, lights, her lights, I think. They showed up, and there was 10 more mutants. And then, like, a question mark amount of time happened, and then suddenly there was a ton of mutants, and then the X-Men were recruiting again. There's not that many mutants out there, and in fact, there's more Inhumans now than there are mutants. So, like, if they're going to start killing people off... It's going to well, break my heart because it's it's actually becoming a quantifiable, understandable number of mutants that are left, and that's all I have at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm dying inside. But it, it's actually okay because this all happened, this Death of X story happened in the past. We know that as a result, Cyclops died or disappeared, and I think it's been implied that he died. I think they straight up said that he died. Yeah, and so Extraordinary X-Men, Jeff Lemire, he he said that Cyclops was dead. So this is the story building up to that. But I don't like, I don't know what other characters died, like named important long living characters have disappeared. Like in issue one, someone dies. That's been a longstanding character. And it like tore me apart. A a personal favorite of Mike and I's. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be really interesting to see who else perished in this, because we in, in the X-Men books that exist right now, we don't know where all the X-Men are. We know that some of them are at the school. We know that some of them are traveling with with Magneto. We know the we school know is that, in hell. Yeah, we know the school is in limbo. We know that, like, literally limbo is a dimension. And other than that, there are some X-Men just kind of wandering around, like like all new X-Men, or all new Wolverine, excuse me. Uh, Laura, she's just kind of chilling. But, like... Not everybody's accounted for. So this is their opportunity to just say, well, all these characters died. And I'm really scared. <laughs> so this book is like very, very interesting to me. And I am scared and excited. And Charles Soule so far has been doing a great job. I don't know how I feel about the art in this book yet. But I think there's nothing I can do about it. This isn't going to be like, uh, what was it? Original Sin or Age of X or something where they changed artists halfway through because people hated the original artist so bad. So, four issues. This is issue number two, and that's what I'm excited for and scared for. And they get mostly the excited most is that they've constantly been talking about like dropping hints, like oh that thing that Cyclops did, that yeah. that Cyclops thing that Cyclops did, and like. And, and now then I young think we're Cyclops finally going to find out what up. it is. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. The end of this book, and I know that Charles Soule can deliver on a four issue mini because he did it with Death of Wolverine, and that was. All things considered, pretty good. So, we'll see. Even if it was meaningless. <laughs> well, Wolverine is still technically dead. 
Old Man Logan is the one who's back in the 616. Yeah, it's, okay. It's, I mean, kind of right. different. <laughs> Do you feel like your gaming habits are weighing you down? When we play Dungeons and Dragons, we're dragging books, maps, and minis, and there's never enough room for awesome dimensional terrain. Mobilescape Adventures was founded for exactly this reason. They're creating portable tabletop RPG terrain for games like D&D, Pathfinder, Warhammer, and many other systems. Take everything you need to tell a fantastic story in a folder or envelope. Mobilescape Adventures terrain is printed on a flat board that mounts vertically and adds a third dimension to your gaming. It sets up quickly and packs flat. They have trees, rocks, dungeon tiles, cottages, towers, and much, much more. See for yourself and check out Mobilescape Adventures on Kickstarter. Now, I've actually used all of the various prototypes for this Kickstarter, and it's been really cool seeing the evolution of these pieces building up to the actual Kickstarter itself. My dungeon master in a game that I play every week is Ed, and he's one of the people that runs the Kickstarter. And these are really, really cool terrain pieces. They, they set up really, really easily. They work, and they're the same size as those vinyl mats that have the squares on them. They fit mini figures really, really easily. This is a great Kickstarter, and I we wouldn't be doing this ad if we didn't actually believe in it. So I recommend go on Kickstarter. There'll be a link to this, this Kickstarter in our show notes. Their Kickstarter ends on October 27th, so if you play D&D, go back this. It's really, really cool. For this week's episode, I wanted to talk to Brian and Tia about how you decide what to read and in what format and well, like the pros and cons of all the various formats we have for reading comics. And we've kind of categorized those into three sections. Single issue floppy issues, digital, whether that's trades or single issues, and then trades or collections or even omnibuses. So when, when you're looking at all the various comics that you read or that you want to read or, you know, when you're talking about, well, I want to buy this in single issues or I'm going to trade weight this book, like what gets you to decide how you're going to read a book and how you're going to pick it up? I know I have my own little system, but I'm really curious to see what you two are doing to determine how you're going to read these books. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to Brian and you can start and we can just get the discussion going. Yeah, for sure. I mostly read single issues uh, just because that's kind of the easiest thing to get my hands on. All I have to do is tell my comic shop, hey, I like these books, and they will put those aside for me. So I just go to the shop and go to the counter, buy my stuff, and I can usually get away without like feeding the meter or anything. Like, right. So are you, are you talking about you just read single issue floppies like physical comic books then? The main exception to that is if there's something that I missed by like by years, you know, uh, I'll go back and try and reread that on digital or on trade if I can find the trade at like the library or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. So is there like a specific reason that you you only read single issues? Is it just to like stay up to date, or are there any books that you considered like trade waiting or saying, you know, I read the first issue and it's good. But I think I want to wait for the whole story to come out or an arc to come out and just read it arc by arc. The big thing for me is that with the way my money comes in, it's a lot easier for me to justify spending $5 this week and then $5 again in three weeks on the same book than it is for me to go to the shop and drop $20, $25 on a trade paperback. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about you, Tia? Where, where do you sit? Because now I feel like my system is insanely complex for no good reason (laughs) mine is a little more complicated than brian's but i actually have good reasons for why it's complicated basically my preference has very little to do with my actual reading habits which are driven by my knowledge of how the comic publishing industry works so um my preference would be to read trade paperbacks in arcs However, I understand that if I don't support books in single issue floppies every month, they might not make it to trade paperbacks or gotcha. remain ongoing. So I often feel like my hand is forced. I don't care for floppies for a number of reasons. They're unpleasant to hold and difficult to read. I'm always worried that I'm <laughs> going to damage them. And okay. um, they're very ephemeral. 
and they take up a lot of space, but not in a way where uh, you can use them as like decor. Like you could even a trade paperback. You you know you like you have a a floppy that you keep in a box. No one can see it, and it doesn't really add anything to your life, and you forget about it because it just is all hidden away. Oh, Mike and I used to use those as decor when we lived. Uh... <laughs> We lived in a trailer right off campus in college and uh, had, what, like nine long boxes just stacked up in oh, the yeah. corner. Yeah, but like you yeah. can't see what's in there. You know what I mean? Like you, like even just trade paperbacks, you know, they may not be as fancy as a nice hardcover, but they still like sit on your shelf. You can glance uh-huh. over. You can see what you have. I just... Um, totally. Tap- no, ours is like an awful Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, it was like stacked stuff so high, trades on top of singles and like inside boxes or outside boxes. It was an entire comics corner. I have one of those at my current apartment as well. <laughs> I'm sure that Kelly is thrilled about that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, from a, so from a perspective of enjoyment of reading and holding a physical thing, I prefer trades. From a perspective of how I like to consume a story, I prefer trades. But I concede that um, at the moment you're, you're kind of trapped into buying single issues of books that you want to support. And right. um, I buy... Uh, physical copies of books that I really want to support books that I'm interested in keeping up on. I read in digital um, and I don't mind digital. It's convenient in a lot of ways in terms of like not having floppies all over the place and you could travel with them easier and it's, you know, you don't have to worry about tearing them or damaging them. Um, But there's still just something about having a trade paperback or a hardcover that I find very satisfying and preferable. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeesh. Now I now I'm really feel bad yeah, about tell this. Us, because, tell us about your psychotic yeah, system. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. My 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 system for floppies versus trades versus digital versus digital trades, so on and so forth. Uh, a lot of it comes down to how much I really feel I want the book in a weird way. So, like, for instance, um, let's, let's look at two Warren Ellis books that I'm reading right now that are ongoing. And we have Injection, which is a book that I buy in single-issue format at Midtown Comics every Wednesday when it comes out. And Shipwreck, which just came out, and I'm buying that digitally. Um, and the reason why I picked one over the other is in with Injection, I know that at some point there's a chance that I'll meet Declan Shelby um, and I could get that potentially signed. And it's a book that... I want to be able to hold on to when I when I read it, but I've also gotten into the habit of reading things digitally like 99% of the time, so my physical books are actually more of a hassle, and since I'm reading, I've got a whole like mental system on how I read digital books, so like physical books, like I still pick up one X-Men book every month in physical format, and I redeem it and then read it digitally, but I do want to still have those X-Men books. Like I still want to own a physical copy so that one day I could pull it out, or in the case of some of the books that I own, like I bought all of X-Men Legacy in single issue, and I got the first issue signed by Mike Del Mundo, who did the cover, and Simon Spurrier, who did the writing. Um, One day I will hopefully meet... um, uh, Teng In Huat, I cannot say his name at all. I feel so sorry about that. But uh, one day I want to meet all those guys because I have that book in a in a nice comic book sized frame hanging on my wall because that's a very important book to me. And I if if it was coming out, is it out, covered in UV plexi? It is not. It is. It's got. It actually the frame that it's in only allows you to actually put the physical book inside, but it has like a plastic cover on it. Um, so it's in there securely, and it's 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 hidden away from dust, and there's no direct light shining on it or anything like that. I made complete sure that these are in, hopefully, the best condition they can be. But I wanted to buy that book in physical, even though I could have easily switched over to digital or read it all in digital. But I really wanted to own that book. Like it's, It was super important to me to have that. And that's not to say that the books I buy in digital are less of important to me. But there are some books that I read that I just want to read them. I don't feel any major connection to them. I don't feel like it's, a, it's an important book that's going to change my life. Like some of them did. Like DMZ, for instance, is another one. Gambit, the Gambit series that was put out for a while ago. Um, I also have that in physical. Like I was buying all these books because I wanted to have a physical version of them. Um, so when it comes to digital single issues, like for instance, looking at the books that I talked about that I read, Green Valley, Reborn, 
Doctors, Shipwreck, like Black Monday Murders. These are all digital books that I have. And I really enjoy being able to just quickly access them, but I don't feel like I need to have a physical version of them. Now, when it comes to some image books like Chew, for instance, I'm reading that book storyline to storyline, so arc to arc and collected edition trade paperback that I have and I can put on my shelf because for two reasons. One, I do want to own a copy of that book and I started reading it too late to pick up the singles. And two, this is a book that I often recommend to people and just let them read my copy. So this is it's one of those books that I think is really, really good and I want a lot of people to read it. So I have a digital copy so that I can or a physical copy so that I can actually give it to them or show them the art and the inside rather than having to, you know, turn on my computer and do that. There's a question so, I already know the answer to though. Yeah. Is uh, when you're reading these digital comics, what are you reading those on? Um, it's a combination of uh, two things. I am either reading it Depending on how much I'm going to be reading, I will be either on my desktop computer reading them or I will be, if I'm like traveling or if I want to lay down or something while I'm reading, I'll switch over to tablet and I'll read them on my tablet. And you so don't find the computer to be kind of awkward because that's when everybody I've spoken to has always thought that the computer is just such an awkward way to read digital comics. Yeah, and I, I can totally see that. Um, there are, well, when I'm reading on a computer, I'm actually reading it one of two ways. Um, I'm either reading it directly on my desktop computer where I have a pretty big, decent-sized monitor, so, like, the art doesn't get all... It gets a little grainy when there's, like, really close panels and stuff like that, but on the whole, it's nice to just kind of sit back and just click on a keyboard and move your move it forward. Sometimes when I'm, like, staying up super late and I'm reading by myself, um, I will actually connect to my Chromecast on my TV, and I will cast the Comixology web reader tab <laughs> into the TV. Like, I read an entire... I read all of Forever Evil like that. And that was like a whole like experience where you're watching something on TV, but you're reading it. And it was it's a really cool way to experience a comic book. Um, if you haven't tried it, if you have any digital books and like a Chromecast or something where you can connect to your TV and cast like your web tab, totally try that. Like read a single issue. It, it kind of like blows your mind. And the guided view on Comixology is, is pretty, pretty fantastic. So I, it works out really well if you have a big enough TV. Yeah, I mean, that's what's always kept me from buying digital books is that the few times I've tried to read digital books on my PC, I have not enjoyed that experience. And gotcha. my only other option is my iPhone, which is just hilariously tiny. Yeah. It, work, yeah. it works out well enough with uh, the Comixology Guided View because mm-hmm. that does a really good job of keeping, like, zooming in on the right spots at the right times but i'm reading like from my marvel unlimited subscription that's i can't use their version of the guided view because i'm constantly getting like chunks of other panels showing up in oh, the frame okay. and stuff like that and so i have to just flip it sideways in the landscape mode and scroll down over the page but i have to hold oh, the phone that's... about three inches away from my face to be able to read it all correctly okay um, yeah, if I see, had a tablet, I think that would be great, but that's a few hundred dollars for a decent tablet. Yeah, just to read comic books, I don't think is really enough. I think that I mean, you, I mean, Kindle Fires are pretty cheap now. Yeah, you can get those, like, it's funny, they, there's a Kindle Fire that's offered that is, like, the size of a comic book page, almost, and I think yeah. it's, like, 60 or 70 bucks or something. Oh, really? And I've actually, a friend of mine has one of those, and... I've, I've flipped through a comic and guided view and just full page view and it works really really well like you can actually read a whole comic page on on a tablet like that like i borrowed a tablet for a little while and i was reading some manga on it like i was reading uh bleach and i, I you know i'm ashamed about that but i was reading bleach on it and it actually since there's no guided view in in manga um just swiping and reading the full page is totally perfect like Manga is formatted in such a way that there isn't a lot of text on the page usually, so it's it's actually very clear what's being said, what's happening, and it works out really well. So I, I mean, if you have an extra, you know, sixty bucks lying around, Brian, yeah, uh, I mean, a tablet. I mean, a Kindle Fire for just reading fun, comics. So. Yeah, there you go. But you know, so my decisions about like how I'm reading things is a lot of the times like I think I'm at this point I'm only reading like ten or twelve books in actual physical format, and they're books like Sex Criminals that don't come out very often, um, and uh, like I said, the Uncanny X Men, like all my Marvel books. If I buy them physical, I don't even open them up except for to get the digital code, redeem it, and then I read it digitally. Um, and I've gotten into a habit of just reading comic books digitally, like really, really well. I have a 
pretty good setup on as far as like a monitor goes. Um, but if I do buy a physical trade or something, I usually have to like find time, prepare myself and like sit down and actually read it with like a flat surface in front of me so I can see the whole page and do everything. It's it's a it's a weird ritual, but I'm technically only supposed to read in digital. A couple of years ago, my husband finally talked me into getting rid of some of my like very large collection of books. And oh, man. So I agreed that I would sort through them and choose the ones that we could get rid of. And then like as my reward, I would get an iPad. And then I went out of, <laughs> I went out of town for like 10 days and I came back and all my books were gone. Oh, and no. he was like, oh, I thought you said all of them. And then the worst part was that he gave them to this like middle school class and all they like, I got like thank you note from the kids and so I couldn't like oh, take man. them back. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Those damn kids. I know their <laughs> gratitude. So now I even I break the rules all the time, and and I buy trades, and I don't feel bad about it because of <laughs> how I was ruthlessly separated from my books. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. It's a lot of the time, you know, it, no matter where you live, and we, you know, T and I, we live in New York, and of course, space is obviously an issue. But I think anywhere, like if you've been reading for a long enough time you eventually start to run out of space and digital is like a fantastic alternative you know if you if you can pick and choose and figure out what books you don't mind not having a physical copy of um i i think that's it's fantastic but at the end of the day you know i would love to be able to own all these books in physical form i'd love to have you know the 10 long boxes or 11 long boxes that i used to have that i cut down to four you know when i moved but, but why? there's just it's it's that thing it's it's like a physical representation of something that you've spent time on it's a way to say look at all these books that i own that i have read look at like it's the Who's same looking reason why at them though no one no one is it's, it's a personal it's <laughs> like a personal is. thing like and you know it's it's no different than people that have you know bookshelves like just of all the books that they own and that they that they've read and that's like to say like look at all these things now that doesn't to say that you are less of a reader if you don't own those things by any means or you don't have a way to show them because it's not about necessarily showing off to people it's about a at least for me it's a but there's definitely a reason why your bookshelf is usually in like a public space and not yeah, in your bedroom yeah. i mean yeah it's it's something that allows you to say look at what i've done look at what i've quote unquote achieved and you know my knowledge is great because of that or something like that it's a it's a weird almost like personal superiority thing and that's i don't i'm i'm i feel like I i'm like talking it, myself I think of it more as here. just a way of like representing who you are and less of like a behold my domain and tremble and more of like <laughs> yeah almost like putting your coat of arms up on the wall like, yeah on the well, other hand this- though i think that um if i had to have like a physical memory to somewhere that I had to store of every comic book that I ever read I I would be a lot more choosy about what I read um true you know true. like yeah. part of the nice thing about reading on digital is that it like if I you know, want to try something. If I'm laying in bed at two in the morning and I'm bored and I want to read a b- comic book, I could just like grab one and read it. And if I didn't like it, then I don't have to like deal with it ever again. Right. And that and that's also like the nice thing. It's 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 throwaway in some ways where you don't have to go to a shop. You can just jump online, buy something. And if you don't like it, there's no like there's no shame in, in like saying, well, I tried it and I didn't like it. No one needs to know about that. You know, um, <laughs> I, I certainly have single issues of books that like I got and I just I hated. I thought it was really bad. Right. But I yeah. still have those comic books. They're still taking up space in my box because I spent a lot of, like, I spent, like, you know, $4 on that. I'm not going to just throw that away. <laughs> right, right. But with digital, you just delete it off your device, and it's... And it's gone. Still yours, technically, but yeah, it's not taking up any perceived space. Like <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, I was going to say, I think that that's the, a big thing about digital for me, is that it allows me to just try something. And it's a lot easier. Like there's a way less, like a much smaller barrier to entry for me to just say, "Let's try this book," rather than have to like physically hold it in my hands and go weigh it and just go, "I don't really know. I have to walk with this. I'm gonna have to take it home. It's gonna have to go somewhere." But with digital, it's just like, "Buy if I didn't like it, NBD." I mean, there's something to be said for having the 
luxury of being able to curate the books that you physically own and have in your house and have just the ones that are like important to you to have like you were saying Mike there's right you have some reason why it's important to you to have a physical copy of this book yeah and it's 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 really fun like when you make you take that risk sometimes where you go I I know that this book looks promising I'm gonna pick up a physical copy and if it's good I'm going to keep reading it and that's how I was with seven to eternity I grabbed the digital copy and then I read it and I was like, shit, this was so good. And I went to Midtown and I picked it up the next week because I was like, this is a book I'm going to buy in physical format. I think it's that big. Yeah, I like that I think that it's one. that important, you know, just to give some some recent things and plug more books, which I did. I did get a copy of that signed at NYCC by uh, Jerome Opinia and I'm so happy about that. He was such a pleasant man. Oh, my goodness. Hey, that <laughs> book is beautiful. <laughs> I, mean, I well- walked by his booth like six times. And he wasn't there. He was either he was at a panel or he was helping his son or he was doing something else. And then on Sunday at like four o'clock, I managed to catch him at his booth. And I was like, thank you. And he was he was so humble. He was a great guy. Most comic creators, in my experience, are lovely people. Absolutely. And again, it's it's one of those things where I bought that book thinking, you know, if, if I ever met Rick Remender and Jerome Opinia again, like I would definitely want to get it signed. Like it's it's that powerful of a book to me. Yeah, I feel like comics don't get you rich or famous enough to turn you into a massive jerk. <laughs> oh, the yeah, same way yeah. that other media can. Yeah. So like comic creators tend to like get these huge followings without getting the proportionate ego. At least that's that's always been my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. And and at the end of the day, you know, it's we've talked about this many times on the show, but comics aren't going to make you rich. So like holding on, should say owning these comics aren't going to make you rich yeah, in the end. You aren't going to be able to resell them. Oh no. So like when I own these books and I want to get them signed, it's because I want to meet this person and I want to say, hey, I read your book and it was very important to me. Please sign this to know that we had this interaction. This is my just like my way of saying, remember when I met that person? Look how important that was. Look how great that was for me. But Same. I will never ever pay money for your signature. No, no. <laughs> I will, however maybe well yeah i have actually done this um some creators i've noticed now they'll have a little jar asking for a donation to um i forgot shoot what's the name of that charity where they like oh the the comic book legal defense fund no it's not them it's the one here something heroes where they like have um it's like an emergency fund for comics creators oh right 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 oh crap i'm so sorry i can't remember their name but anyway um like i I noticed at new york comic con a lot of people had a a jar with with like a little sign saying like you know we're not charging but it'd be cool if you could like make a donation so right i do i would do that that's that's really cool but at the same time it's like i remember it really stuck out to me at c2e2 uh is the first or second time we went with the comic book club in college and I want to say it was like Carrie Fisher or somebody was there. They were in this big curtained off area that you had to spend $50 to get into. Oh, to get a photo with Carrie Fisher from Star yeah, Wars? This, the yeah. autographs also cost money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a big industry. Um, a lot of celebrities yeah. participate in that. That's one of those things where like if people are willing to pay you for that, awesome. More power to you. I refuse. Even though I would love to meet Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But that's not really meeting Carrie Fisher. It's literally like being herded up to her, having her write her name on a piece of paper, and then you're like carted off. It's not really meeting the person. (laughs) Then you're just like shot in the back of the head with a tranquilizer dart (laughs) and dumped down into a pit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like like a big slide, like a drop panel with a lever and... Yeah, conventions have gotten really violent in the last couple of years. Um, <laughs> I have to say, but with say comic though, creators, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I my preference if I'm gonna get something signed by a creator at a convention is to also buy it from them. Oh yeah, that's that's always really cool too. Like, I felt so bad this year. Al Ewing had a table, but he didn't have it. Like, and I understand, like, you know, because he he's from England, so there are like additional complicated paperwork issues to like for him to like bring stuff here and sell it so he didn't have anything to sell and I I felt really bad because I hadn't brought any I have a lot of valuing books that I would love to have signed by him and I just didn't have any of them on me because I was like usually my plan is to just buy them from the creator and then have them sign them 
Yeah, Al Ewing, he was he was a pleasant man to he, talk to. He's a nice guy. He's a if nice you guy. if you ever go to a convention and Al Ewing is there, just go over there, have a conversation with him. He is the goofiest, funniest, nerdiest dude you could ever meet, and he is such a pleasure to talk to. Like for that five seconds we stood there with him, because T and I met up at the at NYCC and talked to him. And then I went back later um, and said hello to him because I forgot my Ultimates book to, to bring to no. sign with him. And I was like, I was supposed to come back to get something signed, but um, can I talk to you for a minute about writing Doctor Who comics? And he was super nice. Yeah, he pro was fantastic. Tip, bring your own Al Ewing books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. The show is produced and hosted by Mike Rappin with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks to Tia Vasiliu and Brian Murray. The music in this episode is brought to you by Grizz and Infinity Shred. You can find more of Grizz at mynameisgrizz.com as well as on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com grizz. As always, Infinity Shred can be found at infinityshred.com as well as on Bandcamp and infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and with each rating gives us a little more exposure and helps the show grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program which we create every week for you. Another great way to give us feedback is to take a minute or two to fill out our listener survey at ircb.us survey. Besides answering some questions about the show, we also ask what comics you're reading and which creators are currently your favorite. Or, if you're looking to just say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesive.org, where you can tell us how you pick your digital, floppy, and collected comics. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode on our subreddit at ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club, and we chat about the comics we've been reading lately. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back-issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull-list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening. like the problematic faves uh, uh, conversation. I know. Like, I wish that my problematic faves were just the fictional characters. I mean, look, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has prejudices. Uh-huh. And I, I think it's less about having them or, um, you know, it's more about like when you're, when you're confronted about them, how you handle thinking them through and possibly you know admitting that you're wrong and apologizing for for hurting someone with your prejudice like i don't understand why people think that it diminishes them to admit that they're wrong or to apologize for hurting someone yeah no it's quite the opposite i respect somebody more after they screw up and then acknowledge that yes i made a mistake and i apologize for it like because it takes guts to do that. Toxic masculinity. That's why people don't do it. Oh man. Yeah. You're, you're not kidding. Like, <laughs> talking about what are you? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Toxic masculinity. Oh. Okay. But, oh, I was just saying. Like, I don't understand why people feel like it diminishes them to just admit that they're wrong or that their biases have hurt someone and and apologize sincerely for it. I don't know why they have to double down because everyone has prejudices it's more about how you handle it when you like are confronted by something that causes you to need to rethink them yeah as i have the luxury of the fact that like no more than a dozen people have ever seen the boneheaded shit i've done or said like right yeah for me it's like a Tumblr post that was seen by eight of my 20 followers. <laughs> oh, I'll follow you on Tumblr. What's your Tumblr, Brian? You could tell me after the show if you'd... He's like, no, you don't yeah. want to see the shit that I post on there. <laughs> I mean, I'm mostly just reblogging other people who do fan art, so... Uh-huh. Yeah. But... But that's because I used to be, you know, the, 
the 23 year old who knew everything about everything and wanted to have big conversations with the brick wall that I was screaming at. I'll witness, I'll witness your problematic ranting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. See, this is why I've pretty much just given up posting things on the internet. I just have conversations in my head and then I say, yep, I'm right. And then I move on. (laughs) Or you have on the podcast and, yeah, I get on a podcast and then we cut out all the stuff where we have real conversations. Um, <laughs> I have conversations in my head and go, oh no, I'm wrong. Oh yeah. God. Oh no. <laughs> See, or, or yeah, that's that's the other half of it. It's like you read a lot of stuff online or you read something and then you go, oh, everything that I thought about this was wrong. Which happens a lot. Yeah. And it's like I have to go like pray and do service now. <laughs> like, Yeah. And that oh that's like a bit of thing that's like been like rolling through my head for the last like two years like honestly like since I moved to New York, that's become like a huge thing where I realized that like I'm interacting with people who've had vastly different you know life times of 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 experiences than I have and on top of that it's like they have much stronger opinions about things that I just kind of cursory understand and because they like never caused, affected you well yeah and it's it's totally caused like like internal strife where you're just like oh everything i thought about this is totally wrong and now i need to readjust and firmly understand why i believe the things that i believe it, which is like a part of growing up i think regardless but yeah, like if you, sure. you put yourself in a in a world where you are no longer in like this homogenized area and specifically coming from like west michigan right or you you're you're getting away yes. from a group of people <laughs> that have like you know, a lot of the same beliefs and understandings and stuff like that. It's, and then you... It's big Dutch Christians all the way down. Yeah. And it, well, well, we were having this, having this conversation last night about how when you live in West Michigan, like, people just assume you go to church on Sunday or you're, you know, pretty pr- pretty much a, like a, a religious person who follows some, some sort some of Christian form of faith. Christian, yeah. Yeah, and... But as soon as you come... Like, here, we were in New York. Like, we were, it was, we were sitting down at, having a drink last night. Um, and it was just like, no, I would never, ever, ever assume someone's religion or what they believe or how they see things. Cause there's no way I could ever be remotely close. Um, and by making that assumption, then you are just, you are showing your biases completely. So give up on that idea that you understand anyone the moment you meet them. Um, which is something that like that I, West Michigan desperately needs. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's something that comes of, of a world of much more diversity you know like it's something that you eventually well you should eventually learn when you are an adult in any capacity but i think it's it's a lot you you learn it a lot quicker in a place like this where there are so many different people well it's because that that preconception is not being reinforced constantly right like right i assume that every day i meet here in west michigan is christian because nine out of the ten people i meet here in west michigan are christian like yeah and you've had it reinforced over and over and over. Yeah, like that's why I don't talk about religion ever because <laughs> yeah. I'm not in line with the majority here. Yeah. When we lived in Arkansas, we named our Wi-Fi network Satan just because it was so annoying <laughs> to have the neighbors constantly ask us what church we went to. Huh. Oh, fun. The Church of Satan. Duh. <laughs> you the call yours of God, Satan, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, we're, we're so mature and yeah, yeah. we know everything now, right? I mean, sometimes you just kind of like have to be a dick because otherwise you'll go crazy in, 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 uh, environments like that. Uh, it's, it's impossible to never, ever, ever be a dick. So you have to pick who you're going to be a dick to very carefully. Right. 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 When I was teaching at the University of Arkansas, I had a student refuse to use um, CE um, and BCE instead of AD and BC, and BC. which they don't really use oh. anymore. Yeah. And she was like really distraught about it. She was like, you can't force me to deny Jesus. And I'm like, it literally is the exact same date. It's still yeah. using Jesus. It just is <laughs> yeah. like a different word that Christianity has so much destroyed the way we measure time. Yeah. So we're going to, we ha- we can't not use it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but and, and she and she refused to use them. Just dinger one point on all of her papers. Well, so I, 
you would get a you would get a point of extra credit if you got a perfect on all of the dates in your exams. And since it was an ancient art class, like the difference between, you know, BCE and CE sometimes was really important and um yeah, so she didn't get her extra credit. But I see. but like you you know, you ha- you can't if you're if you're taking a science test, you can't use like an outdated system that, <laughs> um, uh, that I people don't use, use anymore. Measure my arms for length. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> uh, you're, whatever. You're talking whatever to a bunch of Americans, called. though. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's that called when we're one of, measure- one of three countries in the world still using the imperial system? Well, yeah, we're not communist, Brian. <laughs> God, if only. <laughs> cubits. That's what it is. Cubits. That's, uh, that's the measurement of Noah's arm. That's how they measured to build oh the, the ark. Let's, that, make, let's make sure we cut out my communism from the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. From the See, you know, uh, that's always... That's always I, I love reading... I, uh, I love reading stuff about the Bible. Because it's so interesting, the shit that's just in there. And I started reading I started reading stuff about the Quran yesterday because I was I got into a Wikipedia hole and <laughs> like I started going down the list of like uh, like various verses of related to food in oh, yeah. like, the Quran and that's like a whole crazy thing like there's so much that just gets unpacked from that that that's that it's very vague in the book about what it's allowed to eat except for pigs it's like don't you fucking eat pigs <laughs> and then everything else is kind of like is that I the don't exact know. wording it was just like we've always mistranslated it. really the exact wording is don't you fucking eat pigs don't you fuck yeah that's i honestly like i in my in my many young years of being this like outspoken atheist kid um specifically in high school where religion was incredibly prevalent i wanted to do a rewritten modern phrasing version of the bible using just like just like things like that like and then jesus wasn't dead can you fucking even believe that like things like that (laughs) and then Um, mary magdalene couldn't even yeah (laughs) 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 and like i I, like i think that's it's so funny because i'm not it's 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 humor based around the bible which a lot of people can't like deal with um but I have always been like of the of the opinion that like if you can't find humor in the thing that you love, then you really don't love it. Like that's yeah. that's the, like anything that I am a huge fan of. Like I will openly mock and and I will laugh when someone makes a joke about it because there's no sense in being that serious about something that you can't enjoy some fun in it. And I think that like the Bible is is one of those things where it's kind of just some things are just ridiculous and don't work anymore. So like let's poke fun at it, and people do. But a lot of people get offended by it. But it, it's... Uh, I legit cubits. almost got asked to leave um, the Uffizi with my mom because we were going around and tr- like we had this game where we were trying to identify all the saints like just based on what we could see in the art. We wouldn't read the labels. And it quickly devolved into this like Monty Python, Eddie Izzard stand-up sketch combo <laughs> that we were just like laughing so hard. They were like, um, excuse me. <laughs> that's great um okay let's actually do Man, this episode yeah. let's, let's do talk this. about comic books what were we talking Sorry. about we uh good, religion good talk though this was yeah <laughs> oh hey we have fun we have fun you know